Before she was murdered by a white supremacist this weekend, Heather Heyer said on her Facebook page, if you're not outraged, you're not paying attention. Here at What Are You Reading, we felt like in response to what went on in Charlottesville, uh, we shouldn't uh, let this tragedy or this manifestation Mm -hmm. of a big dark force in America uh, go unmentioned. Um, But we did want to let people out there know it's an opportunity, now that you're awake to this big problem, it's an opportunity to learn more, to start thinking about how you can engage. And Mm -hmm. if, like many of us, you're feeling tired and weary, we wanted to take just this little time to encourage you that there's reason for hope, there's reason to stay involved, that it's worth it in light of all this. So um, with that in mind, we asked uh, our friends here at Atlanta Vintage Books to join us for a little sort of emergency Mm -hmm. podcast uh, in the wake of Charlottesville as we feel somewhat uh, separated or helpless. Yeah. What are some books we can be reading? What are some resources we can go to to help us maybe understand where it came from or rediscover our hope yeah. or get ideas for the struggle moving forward? Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to go around the table, and each of us are just going to recommend a few books yeah. that you can read or explore, and then we're going to let you go read or explore them. Um, we wanted to start with Tim. Tim, what are yeah. some things in the wake of this? What, what are some things people can be reading? Yeah, well, first, yeah, uh, just like Ian said, thank you so much for joining us for this. We know it's a very last minute, very kind of spur of the moment, but um, we just felt like we needed to address this. And um, we're and I feel like books are a great way not only to enrich yourself, but I know a lot of times if I, um, if I have a family member or a friend who might be in disagreement, a lot of times a safe way or a, a congenial way of maybe getting some ideas across is through the gift of books. And it's a um, sometimes I've used it in the past to to present ideas um, not not antagonistically, maybe um, accessibly, and so that's uh, a goal at least with one of my books. Um, actually, you know, I might actually recommend that first. So, one book I thought would be helpful, and especially, I mean, this this book I, I read very recently. Um, it's actually a graphic novel series, um, but I think it's very accessible for teenagers and maybe even maybe even preteens. Um, it's the March trilogy uh written by john lewis from here in atlanta and um it is a very uh powerful um not only is the writing exceptional because it's i mean it's it's from john lewis's experiences during the civil rights movement and the um civil disobedience and in breaking laws in making a scene nonviolently, and how they were able to uh, make so much change it's from his his point of view gorgeously illustrated but well-written um, series it's very very accessible because um, you really see what people had to go through what uh, what individuals had to do in order to make any type of change it's a really powerful powerful series that's one that I think is very educational for younger people so that's one I would really strongly recommend um, another that I think um, I don't know I think a lot of times there's a lot in our in our education what we know missing between the uh, the Civil War, and then the Civil Rights Movement. There's kind of a lot um, in the middle there that just people don't know about, and people think that the Civil Rights Movement was the this, like, all of a sudden things were happening here in the U.S., and there uh, these injustices were happening. But uh, there's a book 
Um, just a, a seminal, just an incredible work by W.E.B. Dubois. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing his name right. Uh, from uh, 1903. Um, and had, had you, if you didn't know what year is written, you could easily see it, some of it at least, being, oh, this is just something, another, another author, another person engaged in the civil rights movement. No, and you find out that this is a trend that's been going on since the civil rights, or since the civil war, I'm sorry. Um, it is just a beautiful, beautiful work, arguing for equity, not just even just equality, but equity, bringing people back up, giving uh, education, um, uh, equal rights. It is just a powerful, powerful work. Also, and this is my last one, so I'll be pretty brief, but um, there's a quote, not from the book, but I want that kind of inspired me to look, to look at this book. Um, it's from Theodore Parker, and it reads, I do not pretend to understand the moral universe. The arc is a long one. My eye reaches but little ways. I cannot calculate the curve and complete the figure by the experience of sight. I can divine it by conscience. And from what I see, I am sure it bends towards justice. So there is a book that was released maybe, I want to say in 2011, um, by Steven Pinker called The Better Angels of Our Nature. It's a very interesting read on the trend uh, throughout history and over time of nonviolence, of growth and improvement. And it's really powerful. And I know in the moment, it's really hard. Like even me, I kind of want to reject this. But taking that step back and being able to look throughout time, the growth of of humanity, uh, the bent, like uh, in the quote, the bent towards justice is really powerful. And I, I really thought this book was uh, was very, very fascinating. I'm sure I don't, probably, I, it's been a while, I don't know if I agree with everything in the book, but I think it's a really good um, just kind of beginning point to see, okay, this is where things are getting better, despite maybe what we're going through now. And, and obviously things aren't where they need to be, I mean, without a doubt. But although the book isn't, it doesn't say, hey, decline of violence, decline of of injustice is not inevitable, but I think this book, because of the way it illuminates and shows us maybe ways, kind of shows us how we can make positive improvements and trajectories that will keep us, um, keep us in a positive path. So that was a little long-winded, but um, it was a book that, and the book, by the way, is long-winded. It is a massive, <laughs> massive work, um, but I just think it's a great contribution to, to that area of research, and I think it's a, a fantastic work, so... Well, my three reads that I'm recommending are for people who I think there's been a certain level of stress uh, in my blood for a long time. Um, we work with undocumented kids, and we've been seeing families torn apart. We've seen that escalate. Mm -hmm. And so when Charlottesville came down, right, uh, I was just like, there's been so much bad that's happened already, and now um, evil is just running rampant mm -hmm. and is supported or at least yeah. <laughs> condoned by uh, the very top office in our nation. And yeah. uh, that was really hard to take. So these these three uh, recommended reads are for people who have been engaged, who care a lot, but uh, mm -hmm. who are feeling weary. Um, yeah. There's one uh, essay in Wendell Berry's essay collection, What Are People For?, called A Poem of Difficult Hope. And... Um, it's, a, it's his analysis of a certain poem that uh, works in a certain way. But the thought, he, uh, the thought he develops in this is that um, a reality of protest, right, is that we're always grieving things that have already been destroyed. And there's a likelihood that there will always be further destruction. Mm -hmm. So when we find right. ourselves in a place where we're wondering if there's a value to our continued protest, 
Um, here's what he says. Protest that endures, I think, is moved by a hope far more modest than that of public success, namely the hope of preserving qualities in one's own heart and spirit that would be destroyed by acquiescence. So he's not letting those of us who are grieving or frustrated off the hook of action. In fact, he demands it, but he says one of the realities we need to confront and recognize and grieve is that is that sometimes our continued protest is because there will be qualities of our own soul that yeah. will be lost if we give up. Yeah. So we need to hang on. Um, so that's a very beautiful thought for me. And and as bleak as that thought sounds, it's also, uh, I think, undeniable. You can't see the outcome. You have to you have to sometimes fight for the preservation of values that, that are important to you, uh, regardless yeah. of whether or not uh, it looks like it's going to come to anything. Yeah. Another book, actually, I came into this bookstore with tears in my eyes on the um, a little before the election, and I was like talking about all the kids I, I know who are on DACA and or whose families are in tenuous <laughs> immigration wow. situations. And uh, Bob tried to cheer me up, and it had, had a little effect, but... Uh, uh, Soon thereafter, Mallory, who works here at the bookstore, who is too shy to get in front of a microphone for us today, but <laughs> she gave me this book. So in absentia, this is her recommendation, but it's called Hope in the Dark by Rebecca Solnit. And um, it talks about um, hope as this thing that's different from optimism or pessimism, right? The pessimist says things are going to get worse no matter what you do. The optimist says things are going to get better. Mm -hmm. We can just relax. But the hopeful yeah. person, when confronted with the darkness of the unknown, uses their own hope and activity as a light into that darkness. And we don't know. So the book really addresses the gravity of some of the pains we're facing now. Um, it was written in a different time, but a lot of the same forces that it talks about are mm -hmm. in effect. It really addresses that gravity, and it really confronts the fact that, hey, the future can look dark but yeah. we have to hang on to hope here's what hope is and here's how we proceed yeah. with it so uh, hope in the dark is a great uh, a great um, resource I've found um, this I just want to read a quick excerpt from this it says hope locates itself itself in the premises that we don't know what will happen and that in the spaciousness of uncertainty is room to act when you recognize uncertainty you recognize that you may be able to influence the outcomes, you alone or you in concert with a few dozen or several million others. Hope is an embrace of the unknown and the unknowable, an alternative to the certainty of both optimists and pessimists. And then the third one, for those of you who uh, are encouraged by fiction or who find that that's a, that's a genre that's really resonant with your soul, uh, an author I go to constantly for comfort when things uh, feel hard or dark uh, is Barry Lopez. Um, and he has a short story collection called Resistance. And it's all about, it's all about uh, characters who have chosen to resist certain popular forces in their time. And it talks very astutely and with great delicacy and subtlety about the pressures that the human spirit faces mm -hmm. while resisting. Yeah. Um, so, so if you're looking for to feel like you're not alone and also to gain some insight into, into the movement that you're a part of, uh, Resistance by Barry Lopez is a great resource. Thanks for inviting me, guys. Uh, being a, uh, a history buff, I'm always 
interested in finding out uh, why things happened and trying to uh, uh, understand what's going to happen next mm -hmm. based on history. So uh, I have a couple of uh, recommendations. Uh, we've seen fascism before, uh, certainly not in this country being tacitly uh, uh, acknowledged by high political figures. I've got a couple of recommendations. Uh, we have one book here called The Beast Reawakens. Uh, it's about um, the survival of fascism because it's around. And for the most part, good people have been able to keep a lid on it. So it's it's always been kind of there. Mm -hmm. And it, it's important to to read up on what fascism looks like in order to catch it before it uh, gets going. Mm -hmm. um, so a couple of things uh, on the history of uh, fascism. We have uh, European fascism, the rise of fascism here at the store. And uh, it's all about European fascism, blaming the others, uh, mm -hmm. say, you know, blaming the Jews was from time immemorial. It's always important to have an enemy, and uh, fascists always look at, well, those people are different. Those people are taking things from you. Uh, those people are going to destroy the country as you know it. Uh, and it's not true. This is a nation of immigrants. And people who come to the United States, they make it a better place. Uh, and then I have another book called Understanding and Dismantling Racism, the 21st Century Challenge to White America. Boy, it's a problem. And uh, I think it just takes more time than we want to spend. Uh, yeah. To, to deal with this. And the good thing is that the younger generation coming up are less racist than the generation before. And so over time, I think you're going to find, and it won't be, certainly won't be in my lifetime, and it won't, may not be in our lifetime. Mm -hmm. But what were you saying about the, uh, the curve of justice? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I think... Again, it won't be in our lifetime. And there'll be another problem, I'm sure, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. But uh, another book that I can recommend, uh, Tim was talking about most people don't have any idea. They thought that the Civil Rights Movement was the first mm -hmm. uh, explosion of, but no, no. Um, there's a book called Speak Now Against the Day, and mm -hmm. it talks about the generation before the civil mm -hmm. rights movement in the South and how difficult it was to get, you know, any traction in terms of rights because mm -hmm. Jim Crow laws, mm -hmm. separate but equal, yeah. all of that stuff. The church turned its back, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, uh, the uh, schools, the universities would not come out in support of desegregation because the state universities, the president served at the pleasure of the, of the governor, right? Mm -hmm. So they didn't speak out. So it was left to private 
universities. And uh, most of those were church run, right? And it goes back to the churches not wanting to make waves. Huh. It's a very difficult time. Those of us who know history look at it and, uh, and we fear for the future, mm -hmm. but uh, we just gotta keep at it. Yeah. yeah, it's an old fight. Yeah. All right, Megan. Um, first off, I want to say thanks to all the folks who were out doing anti-fa work in Charlottesville over the weekend. Mm -hmm. um, any of them could have been in Heather's place, and I think it takes a great deal of courage to stand behind your convictions, not just to say you feel a certain way about something, but to actually live that. Um, so thank you. Um, my thoughts have been with Heather a lot this week and with yeah, her family. Yeah. Um, and I think we can all stand to try and do our part to stand behind our own convictions. And yeah. those kind of baby steps are what make changes. It doesn't yeah. have to be a grand gesture every time. Um, I'll keep it pretty brief. I've just got two books. Um, one I was talking to about with a friend the other day and it's eerily similar to the Charlottesville situation. It's called Love and Revolution. Um, author's first name is escaping me but the last name is Waller and um, it's about a situation um, it was in Greensboro North Carolina back in the late 70s um, and it was a black housing project and similar to, to the situation the other day folks were rallying against the Klan and a Klan's member drove their car directly into the crowd opened fire on them killed mm. five people and injured ten others and um, the author of this book her her husband was one of the folks killed. She was there as well. She knew all of the other folks killed and injured. Um, and it's a really, um, it's a difficult book to get through, but it's also really interesting because she ties in not only her personal um, experience about that, but also why we do the work we do, what direct action means, what you're taking a stand for when you protest and the different types of protests there are. Um, and also about the history of this, because I think it's a mistake to look at these as isolated events. I mean, mm -hmm. this is a long history of some yeah. fucked up shit. This is mm -hmm. nothing new. The fact that I can echo a book from 40 something years yeah. ago, that's the exact same situation happening is, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've got to do something better, <laughs> different than what we're doing right now. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's one book. Um, and another one that I've been reading this week is by Alice Walker, and it's We Are the Ones We've Been Waiting For. And I think it touches on this in a way. It's not necessarily protest themes, although Alice Walker is no apolitical uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> writer. Sure. She's, she stands behind what she says. Um, but it's a collection of essays kind of focusing more on um, bringing clarity to cause and effect mm -hmm. in everyday events. And I think that's a really good approach wow. to look at linking these kinds of events together and what's causing them, what's behind them, and what can you do differently to step in and intervene there. Um, so kind of it's doing a better job about talking about our own sense of autonomy and self-responsibility in the everyday. And I think, again, like I can't emphasize enough, I think how, how you do things every single day, all of your interactions with people is your opportunity, every single one of them to stand behind who you are and what you believe in. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we shouldn't be intimidated to step up. And uh, anyways, that's a book I found very inspirational for that. So uh, 
that's that's it for me i guess well we want to encourage people who are listening to this to send in their own recommendations we want to thank uh bob and megan we called them just urgently last night saying we have to talk talk about this um so thanks we hope we hope you're reading we hope you'll take this occasion whether you're weary because you've been in the fight for a while or whether you're looking how to get involved um to do some thinking, some talking, and some reading, and uh, to take the next steps. We'll look forward to hearing from you how it goes. Absolutely. Come talk to us here, too. Yeah. Yeah. You're always welcome. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Megan was talking about, you know, what what can we do? You know, yeah. stay involved. Stay involved politically. I yeah. mean, yeah. PTAs and uh, school board elections yep. and local elections, they really, really yeah. mean a lot. And, yeah. and, you know, state elections and national elections. If, if more people stayed involved and voted, I think we would be in a better place. Yeah, well, well thank you for listening. And um, like Ian said, we would love to hear maybe what you're reading now or if you just need a place to go for recommendations. Uh, find our website, whatareyoureadingpodcast.com. There you can uh, link up with us via Facebook or Goodreads, and uh, uh, probably in, within Goodreads we can uh, we'll make this list of books that were mentioned here, and then also please we ask that you just throw in um, ideas of your own, maybe stuff you're reading right now or things that ha- have come to mind in the last few days. So uh, thank you again for listening, and uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>